Well, hello, everyone, and welcome uh, to Forgiven Podcast. If you're listening for the first time, uh, I'm glad that you are here. Now, if, you're, if you are listening for the first time and you are wanting to get any kind of feedback and you're wanting to kind of say a few things or you have a few questions and stuff like that, uh, we do have an email. And welcome, uh, Logan, yep. with us. And that, that email is? Yeah, you can email us at forgiven at bethelbrandon.ca. Okay, and the hope is to bring you along slowly but surely. Uh, the, the thought is we want incremental growth. And the thing is, when, when we talk about faith issues, uh, we don't usually grow in huge speeds. We just, we just grow one step at a time. And that's kind of the idea. Now, um, if you are joining us again for the first time, we are actually on part two of the thought of the miraculous. Is it happened? Does it happen today? And, and, and is it possible if you're here and you're looking for some type of a miracle, it might be a health miracle, it might be a direction miracle, it might be, you know, someone else that you're hoping for a miracle for, then um, we want to answer that question because it is an important question for us to ask today. And for some of you, like, duh, that's simple, there is. Uh, but for, th- for some of us who might be listening, this is, you're kind of at the beginning steps. And so um, as we were talking about this, I said in the church that I uh, was last pastoring, there were a number of miracles that had happened in a small congregation. And, uh, and it was a very refreshing thing to see and hear and to celebrate. And so uh, what we did is we kind of reached out and we, uh, we called, uh, I called a friend uh, and, and, you know, her husband, Paul, was on the board and they were friends and, as well as uh, as being the pastor. They were close friends of ours. And so uh, her name is Henna, not Hannah, Henna. And it is Finnish. And that's great because Finnish people are the happiest people in the world. The Internet says that. Isn't that so? That is true. That's <laughs> what it says. Now, um, we we actually, uh, a year ago, recorded their story with Paul. Now, Paul isn't able to be with us, um, but we, we had recorded it. And in the middle of the recording, they got a phone call from their daughter, and their plumbing had blown up, and water was flying out everywhere, and so we kind of had to deal with that. And then even afterwards, the recording didn't go well. Now, when that happens, I often think that God wants to do something special. And when that happens, that that the devil doesn't like that happening. And so... I believe that there is something special that is going to be said, and there's going to be people who are going to be blessed by her story. So instead of talking about the miraculous, what we wanted to do is we wanted to give a story of how it has happened. So welcome, Henna Rintala. We are glad that you are here joining us uh, on the show. Are you still there? Thank you. Good. I am, yeah. Okay, excellent. Now, Henna is is, uh, from the Sudbury area, actually a little community called Lively. Why don't I let you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Thank you. Um, I am from Sudbury. Yes. Um, we're not living in Lively actually right now. We're in Sudbury. Um, but we have we did spend quite some time in Lively. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I did grow up in church. It was the Finnish Pentecostal church. Yay, Finns. Um, <laughs> as young children my sister and i would wait at the end of our driveway every sunday morning and we would be picked up for sunday school and in the summer we would go to their bible camp and it was at one of these bible camps when i was around seven years old that i gave my life to the lord and when my mom came to pick me up after that week um, i told her that i had given my life to the lord and and i said by the way i gave yours as well And, um, yeah, it doesn't quite work that way, but um, my parents did eventually become Christians later on when I I was a teenager. Um, And you know what? 
if you think of it, that in itself is a miracle. Um, the fact that, that my parents became Christians after my sister and I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, if we move a little bit uh, further in the timeline, in 1989, I married Paul Rintala. And six years later, we had our firstborn daughter, Katya. And a year and a half later, Mati was born. And I was blessed to be a stay-at-home mom. And later on, I was a homeschool mom. And I think that was a highlight of my life. I loved spending time with my kids. I loved watching them learn and develop. Um, But most importantly, I love the fact that I got to um, have an impact on their lives spiritually as well. Um, During that time, Paul was a police officer for 20 years. Wow. Um, But his passion was always construction. So now he builds custom homes. No, no. Paul was a police officer, but he was kind of what was called on the TAC unit. He was like the, uh, he was like the, the SWAT guy, was he not? Yeah, yes, yes. So he was immersed in danger all the time and, uh, and uh, was very much, did a good job as uh, protecting the people of Sudbury. Yes. A, a lot of times on their way to um, calls um, as a TAC team, he, the team would, would be all geared up in the van and they'd be driving to their uh, to the incident and uh, they would say to Paul, okay, Paul, do your thing. And um, he would pray for, the, for them, for their safety and mm-hmm. for um, uh, that the situation would be resolved peaceably. Praise God. So, so he was the he was mm-hmm. the SWAT pastor. It was basically <laughs> I <yeah>. like that. <laughs> and so now when um when I got to know Paul and Henna, they the kids were teenagers. By the way, uh hi Katya and Mati, if you are if you are um listening. And Katya is married to a great guy named William. And Mati is married to a girl named Hannah, great girl named Hannah Hannah, not Henna, Hannah. So she's the regular. So there's a whole bunch of confusion that happens in the family. Now, when I had come upon the scene as, as the pastor, uh, what had taken place in her life had, was kind of, I was kind of, I was kind of in the recovery stage of what had taken place. And so uh, take us to that place where all of a sudden um, things started to go wrong uh, in, with your health. All right. Um, yeah. So at the end of 2007 and moving into 2008, I noticed that Every month I tended to get sick with a cold or what I thought was a cold. And I would go to my family doctor. He would prescribe antibiotics and, and it would help uh, until the next month. And then I would go through that cycle again. And then later in the spring, we had actually started to build um, a home in Lively. And this was our second build. And my health started getting worse. So now I had some chest congestion And I had developed a fever that didn't go away. So on Victoria Day, I decided to go to the eMERGE um, where they took a chest x-ray. A few days later, I had a CT scan. And then on Friday that same week, the ER doctor called me at home and told me I had lymphoma. And I didn't even know what that was. I was just like, "Mm, what does that mean? (laughs) And... um, and so he went on to tell me that that it was cancer and that I would need to do need to have a biopsy in order to determine what kind of cancer or lymphoma it was. 
How old were you? At I this was time? only 30. 39? I was only 39 years old at the time. And I had a 13 year old daughter and an 11 year old son. And I wasn't ready to die. And it felt horrible. Wow. And so, so all of a sudden, you know, you're going through life and everything is fine. And you've got these wonderful kids and, and everything in, in life is going well for you. And that's kind of the way it is sometimes. You know, we, we tend to get hit sometimes the hardest unexpectedly. And so this must have been a, a big, a big situation for you. And, and so you're kind of explaining what well, the original feelings that you were having and, and, and that, what was, what was kind of, what was kind of the next, the next chapter, the next process and what was kind of the course of action for you as you, as you kind of face this news? Well, when, um, when the doctor called, only Katya and I were at home at that time and, uh, Paul and Mati had just left, um, to go to our property to work on the, the house build, um, However, for some reason, I can't even remember what it was. He had to turn around and come back home. And he walked through the door just as Katya and I were hugging and crying together. And so I believe that was another miracle that God brought him back. And um, I didn't have to try to explain anything over the phone. Um, And so immediately, we, the four of us together as a family, um, started praying. That was the first thing we did. And we prayed for my healing. And um, yeah, it was a very, very touching and special moment. Yeah, that that's amazing. First of all, that like your guys's first response was prayer. I know, like, I don't think a lot of people would do that. I think a lot of people would be sad and, uh, you know, maybe a little caught up in their own in their emotions and stuff. So and I think that's really just uh, inspiring to to pray first. I think that's just really good advice for anybody listening too. Like that should be your first response. The other thing is is that mm-hmm. it's funny how life goes on, and what is the most important thing becomes you know everything else becomes peripheral, so to speak. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that you know now you're now you're at a point where you're you you have to rely on God, and and that's kind of those become special times, don't they? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and they're unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden we have this point where, where all of you are meeting and it becomes a family issue and everyone is on red, red alert, so to speak. And so I guess, now I can't be putting words in your mouth, I guess the next step of it would be, okay, so what do we do now? What are the next steps? What happens as far as doctors and treatments and, and things like that? Would that be the next uh, the next thing that would be happening with you? Um, well, the next day, I think the next step for me had less to do with what was happening with my body and more to do with what was happening in my heart. Um, like I that that next that night, I I wasn't even able to sleep because I just kept waking up and thinking this is just a bad dream. Um, and so the morning, the next morning I woke up and, um, I opened up my devotional and the verse that morning was Isaiah 41, 10. It says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when I read those words, I cried and realized that God had given me that verse. It was 
it was almost as if I could hear him speaking them to me. And so it was so personal and intimate. So uh, it's no surprise that verse became uh, my anchor. And uh, my daughter, Katya, ended up printing it out and writing it out and posting it everywhere in our house and everywhere at the house build. And um, yeah, it was very a very special um, moment for me. And it was what I needed right then and there um, to help me move forward. Yeah, and so... So yes, it's funny how the Word of God becomes very special, and certain things in the Word of God become very special. Any other any other scriptures or passages that kind of became special to you as you kind of started on this journey? Um, oh, there was yeah, lots of lots of scripture verses, but I think one thing that that I'd like to share um, was actually an incident that occurred six months prior. Um, it was in January of 2008. Um, I believe God, God in his love was already preparing me for this moment in my life. Because during my devotional um, on that day in January, I had this journal that would ask me questions and I would write down um, my answers. And that, that morning it had, this particular day, it had this following suggestion. It said, Take some time to write out what you think God might have prepared for you. Sometimes it does your heart good to dream. So most people, you know, they would respond with wonderful, pleasant, challenging, inspiring dreams that they have for their future. But for some reason, that's not what I wrote. This is what I wrote in response. I wrote John 16.33 says, in this world, you will have trouble. Although biblical, this isn't what I dreamed that God might have prepared for me. However, having just finished reading the book of Job, suffering is on my mind. My Life Application Bible gives this footnote. Job's, Job's greatest test was not the pain, but that he didn't know why he was suffering. And our greatest test may be that we must trust God's goodness, even though we don't understand why our lives are going a certain way. We must learn to trust in God who is good and not in the goodness of life. Hmm. So fast forward six months. Now I'm diagnosed with cancer. And God actually led me back to that journal entry that I had written in January and showed me that he was preparing me ahead of time so that when this diagnosis came, I didn't have to ask why, like Job was asking why. Instead, I just, I was reminded that I just needed to trust in God who is good. Yeah, so so basically, basically, um, God wasn't surprised by the, by the biopsy reports and things like that, wasn't no. it? No. Yeah. No. And so the biopsy yeah. kind of verified that you'd had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Is that correct? Yes. yes. So it was yeah, it was all in my chest cavity, around my heart, lungs, and vocal cords. And because of the proximity of the tumors to my vital organs, surgery was not an option. So chemotherapy was the only course of action. Um, and so for the next six months, I had chemotherapy every two weeks. And um 
Now, in addition to all these chemotherapy treatments, I had x-rays, blood tests, injections, and scans just constantly. Every, every other day, it seemed like there was something. But if you know anything about me, uh, one thing I suffer from is claustrophobia. So not surprisingly, I was not a fan of these scans because they're often in a contained unit or um, small or something coming really close to you. And um, actually, one particular scan, the gallium scan, was done over two days. And on the first day, they, they injected me with radioactive glucose. And then they had a scan with this really big machine that they would lower over my body. And at the same time, my head, hands and feet were all strapped to the table, so I couldn't move at all. And I was trying so hard not to panic. And so I prayed and I quoted scripture in my head the entire time. And that first day, the scan lasted 20 minutes. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I barely survived that. And I knew that the next day I had I had to repeat that scan, but it would be for an hour and a half being strapped there onto the table. Can't move with this really big machine coming like really close. <laughs> that, so that sounds like something like a James Bond villain would do. Like you're strapped to the table and this <laughs> thing is like being pushed over top of you. I feel you on that. Yeah. Like, even I'm not claustrophobic, yeah. but that would freak me out for sure. Like, no. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's crazy. So my plan of action was to memorize Psalm 23 and um, and have an, an arsenal of scripture verses for me for the next day so that I could just repeat those in my head um, while I'm going through the scan because I can't have anyone else in the room with me. I'm all alone in there. And so when they started the scan the next day, they covered my eyes um, with a, a towel so I wouldn't see how close the, the actual machine was coming to my body. But they actually came too close and they touched my nose with it. <laughs> and when that happened, oh, my heart just started pounding. I just started breathing so quickly. And now I couldn't even concentrate to um, recite any of those verses that I had memorized. I, I couldn't focus at all. I was just panicking. And then it was as if I heard Jesus audibly call my name three times. And then he said, I'm right here beside you, strapped with you to this bed. I'm with you. Hmm. And that moment was that's forever etched in my mind. Wow. Peace, peace just flooded my heart and my mind. And I began to recite Psalm 23. And together with Jesus, I got through that hour and a half. And, um, and I don't know how I would have done it without him. Wow. Yeah, it's it's funny how we talk about the miraculous and we think about the one miracle, but there's a whole bunch of miracles that are kind of happening mm -hmm. along the way, isn't there? So yeah. yeah. Now I know your story. I've 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 heard the story. There's one part, and I just wanted to make sure I got it right. When they told thee that you had had the cancer and you were trying to find out 
what level is it at? What is the stage that it is at? And that as they are trying to explain it to you, the specialist would not tell you what stage you were at because he felt that if he told you what stage it was that, that you would kind of lose hope. Is that, is that kind of right? Do I got that part of the story right? Yeah, yeah. He would never tell us. He never did tell us what stage it was at. And Paul had asked him um, numerous times. And then he finally said that, that it's not important for me to tell you what stage it's at. Um, so, yeah, we don't, to this day, we don't know. But it is fairly, fairly advanced when you have a fever that doesn't go away um, and that's where I was, that's where I was at when I ended up going to emerge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I yeah. just wanted people to know that because it wasn't just, it just wasn't some stage one easy kind of thing. This was something where it would, it had advanced to a point where the doctors didn't want to say too much to discourage you because that was what you kind of needed that level of heart to fight this battle that you were about to fight, you know? And, and at that mm-hmm. point, if I recall the story, Paul had kind of, um, got the news kind of called for the elders of the church at that time. Was that correct? Yeah, they, a couple of, I don't know if it was the next day, um, um, but they came to our home and they anointed me with oil and prayed over me. And over the next few months, uh, we, we attended several healing services, anything that was being held locally. We, we went to those um, and many people, reached out by phone, mail, or email. Now, this is before I knew anything about Facebook. So um, they contacted me to let me know that they were praying for me. I even had a friend who um, was in Jerusalem, and she went to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and wrote my name on a piece of paper, inserted it into the crack in the wall there, and she prayed for my healing while she was there. Wow. And I even had friends who who didn't um, have a relationship with Jesus, who weren't following Jesus, and they would tell me that they're praying for me. So uh, I truly believe in the power of prayer, and um, and I believe that's why I'm here today. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so for anyone who might be listening at this time, and, and I'm not too sure what you're going through, you might be uh, facing similar circumstances, and and you might be feeling that there's no hope. I'm hoping that that as the Holy Spirit is working and speaking through Hannah, that that this might be kind of a breath of of hope um, for you. So, anyways, again, thanks yeah. Hannah for sharing this. Uh, so now now we start going a little bit further ahead, and you kind of have a, a month of treatments, and you're you're visiting the oncologist. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, the oncologist. Uh, came into the examination room. We had had x-rays done that morning. And um, he showed uh, Paul and me my original chest x-ray, the one I had in Emerge on Victoria Day. And he compared it to the x-ray I had that day. And he pointed out the large tumors in the first x-ray and then showed me that how in the second x-ray, they were significantly smaller. And he was excited. And this was from a doctor whose emotional expressions tended to be minimal, to say the least. Like he was not an expressive doctor and he was so excited. And uh, we were so thankful to God. And I was, we left from there and we shared that incredible news immediately. Um, The next Sunday with our church family, I emailed people 
and told them how God had begun to do a healing work in my life and just giving God the glory for it. Right. Um, now, yeah. Now, I know you're, you're always a, a fight. I've always known you to be a person who's kind of stayed on course in, in telling your story. And so as we were preparing, I kind of threw a couple of curveballs before we went on. And one of the things I wanted to, to ask you is um, that Paul, your husband, plays a huge part in this whole process. And because Paul and I were such close friends, I was always impressed with where his heart is in the issue. And this becomes a big thing because uh, many times um, you are the person who is in need of the miracle. And while you are the person who is in need of the miracle, there are people who love you very dearly and people who have you have devoted your life to who are also dealing with the miracle as well. And sometimes it's even more difficult for those people that are kind of sitting with you as you go through the journey. Do you now mm-hmm. I know this this isn't on script for you, uh, but where where was Paul? And it's too bad that Paul couldn't be on to explain this himself, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that you can kind of talk for him because he yeah. he's been very vocal about what he was going to do in the process of this miracle. Yeah, well, you're right. It is like even for myself going through that journey, I always imagined what it would be like to be um, Paul or my mother or my children. And I felt like it would it would be harder to be the family member, the close family member who's very concerned and can't do anything about it. And um, other than pray, obviously those things, but I mean, you're, there's nothing you can physically do to change the diagnosis or change the condition. So um, I sympathized with, with their situation and how they felt. And, and even when, when I got the diagnosis, Paul was willing to put construction of our house on hold and he was willing to just um, come uh, stand by me and help me through through all of it. But um, my mom was more than willing and able to help me um, take me to my treatments and things like that. I really wanted Paul to work on the house. Um, yeah, but getting the news that, that the treatments are working, um, we as a family, we gave God the glory and we thanked God and and um and Paul was would talk to people at work he was policing as well at at the same time and he would tell people about what was happening and the progress and that too was an encouragement to people that um um didn't know the Lord yeah so this was while this was all happening you are doing the the job of encouraging people who are who are supporting you um, I remember as I talked to Paul about the situation that many times when, when we go through times like this, there is that part of us that says, okay, God, I'll make you this promise. So if if my wife gets better, I promise that this will be taking place, and I promise that I will do that. And, and, and I think that's a very normal part of the process. It's almost like we begin to barter with God or we begin to deal with God because it's such a, an important part of our life. And I remember Paul, as as he had talked about this, it wasn't so much a uh, trying to make a deal with God. I I felt that when Paul and as Paul was going through this and as he was supporting you, there was a part of him that was saying that when God 
does something. It wasn't so, it wasn't so much an if God does something. It was, God, as you continue the, on in this miracle, I'm going to do everything in my power to let people know about the glory of God. I think he saw it as a, as a point where he said, this is going to be an opportunity for me to share faith and an opportunity for me to let other people know. Would I be correct when I, you know, I want to speak for Paul. Oh yeah. But yeah. that seemed yeah. to be where his sure. heart was in the whole process. Was it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, and, and I know that Paul, there was, there's times, I think even there's still some things on YouTube about him being in church and kind of talking about the miracle and, and his heart as he was going through the process. And, and uh, he's never, ever been shy about explaining. Uh, he's never been shy about, uh, you know, professing his faith, even on the job. But this was just another mm-hmm. avenue for God uh, to use him to kind of, you know, declare his faith in, in Christ in, a, in an environment which it is not very easy to proclaim. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the police department can be a pretty, pretty tough place yep. to share faith because mm-hmm. they see the worst of the worst, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So now you have like the end of uh, six months of treatment and and you kind of go by your doctor who kind of sends you a CT scan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my in December of 2008, I had um, uh, a CAT scan and it showed that there was still a shadow behind my heart. And he said that it could be scarring from the previous tumors or it could be a new tumor. And he said, typically... What they would do in a case like this is they would do radiation on that spot. But because all of my tumors had been in my chest area and this particular shadow was behind my heart, radiation wasn't an option. So he said either I continue chemotherapy treatments for a couple of months or I go for a PET scan um, in Toronto. So at the time there wasn't a PET scan in Sudbury um, and we would have to pay for the PET scan. So at that point I was done with the chemotherapy and I was just so exhausted. I said, let's do the PET scan and only continue treatments if necessary. So it was a couple of weeks later, we had an appointment to go to uh, Toronto. I had the PET scan And my follow-up appointment was on New Year's Eve. And at at this appointment, my oncologist told me that the PET scan showed that I was cancer-free, that cancer was gone. And you have no idea the relief that uh, Paul and I had getting such good news. Um, And it was so significant because it was New Year's Eve. So we got to close that year, 2008, and we got to close the last chapter of my cancer journey all on the same day. And and we got to proclaim that God had brought about a beautiful healing in my body. Wow. What a way to ring in the new year. Like, come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I bet you guys partied hard that night. Like that. Oh, well, we did. Incredible. Yeah. Now, yeah. If I if I recall, I think that there's a part of this she's not telling, because I now I could be wrong. Now, was there not a part here where you guys took a look at the scan, and you said, "Oh, <laughs> there's a shadow there. It looks like the cancer yeah. is back." 
And so all of a sudden, before you yeah. see the doctor, you guys said, oh, it's terrible. We shouldn't give people the news before Christmas or anything because we don't want to ruin everyone's day. And you kind of had thought that, uh-oh, everything has returned. Is that correct? Yeah. So yes. the, what they do when they when you go through the PET scan, they again, they are injecting you with radioactive glucose. And and the doctor explained that that it will go to like if there's any cancer cells, it will go to the cancer cells because the cancer lights the sugar, the glucose. And and then it'll be highlighted in the um, scan. And so he gave us a copy of the scan after we were done and on our drive home from uh, Mississauga that uh, that day we I put it into my laptop and I started looking at it and I'm looking and there's these spots that are highlighted and all of a sudden I was just like oh no it's it's back like it's not gone and um um yeah, it was a, a scary moment, and um, at that moment, I just kept hearing the word trust, trust, trust God, and uh, so, like, it ruined Christmas for me because I thought, okay, it's back, but I'm not going to, we're not going to share it with any of the family because we don't want to bring a downer on Christmas, so we'll just, uh, we'll just wait until after we see the doctor to share the news with everyone. And what happened was what the doctor forgot to tell us when he um, gave us our, like told us how the glucose works. He also forgot to say that glucose is also attracted to a lot of our, your vital organs. And so my heart was lit up and, and there was all these other areas that were lit up. And I thought that was a sign of the cancer but it wasn't. Those were just my vital organs that were um, lit up in the scan. And so I didn't have cancer. It was just um, you it was just a, highlighting those vital you organs. You being a self-doctor and being wrong with your own prognosis. <laughs> never pays off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I know that there's a story that a few weeks later, um, Paul was in the ER and uh, he was there as a police officer. But one of the nurses that was there, is that... There's there's something to do with that yeah. as well, is there not? Yeah, so she Paul got to know quite a few of the staff at the hospital as a police officer. And so um, he had this nurse that came up to him and she asked how uh, how I was doing. And Paul, of course, shared that God had healed me. And she she expressed her surprise because she said she was there the day I went to emerge um, on Victoria Day, and she had seen the results of that very first x-ray. And she said, from what she has seen in x-ray results, it looked so bad that she didn't figure I would make it. And um, yeah, but I did. Praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Praise God. And so now, so now we talk post-healing, right? Now, now we, yeah. Begin, yeah. we begin the whole process of of God moving and, and there's always there's always the things that you want to be safety and you're always going for checkups and 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 all that process but for the most part you are feeling good at this time and God has worked on you and so hey do you have anything to say as far as post healing maybe the things that God have been saying to you how God has used you since in in the process um, anything that you kind of want to add if you're you know as you're talking 
to people who might be sharing the exact same thing that you were going through a few weeks ago or for a few weeks, a, a few years ago, you know, right. maybe, yeah. maybe some words of encouragement or something that God has kind of put on your heart to maybe say to those people. Right. Well, I mean, when I think about my journey and, and, you know, God could have chosen not to heal me, um, but he did heal me. And um, uh, a dear friend had given me um, a card that had the verse John eleven four, And it said, Jesus said, or this was the verse where Jesus was speaking about Lazarus. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And afterwards, when I went through that card again, um, I realized that my sickness didn't end in death either. And my goal, my prayer was that God's son, Jesus, would be glorified through my healing story. Um, obviously, when I was going through my journey, I had many opportunities to share with my friends and family um, how God was healing me and and being with me and helping me. Um, but even now, look at me, 15 years later, and I can still share my story of God's goodness and his healing power. And it's a story that that um, it doesn't get old because God's goodness um, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, you know what? Sometimes people who are diagnosed with cancer or have a loved one with cancer, they just want to talk to someone who's walked that road. And for me, I want to be that person. I had a person like that, um, Kathy Haskett. She was a godly Christian woman. She's, she's now gone to be with the Lord. But she had had cancer uh, five years before me. And when she heard I had cancer, she came alongside and she offered me very practical advice. She said, told me what to expect during cancer treatments and what foods to avoid, um, uh, potential side effects, things like that. But she also offered me encouraging spiritual words of wisdom. And she prayed with me and she prayed for me. So I believe that God can use me um, to, to bless and encourage others as well. And I have had opportunities like that to um, talk with women, um, talk with other people who've been diagnosed with cancer, talk with family members whose um, um, daughter or someone has been diagnosed with cancer and help them walk through that road. And they're not all believers. So, um, yeah, God opened, has opened that door on numerous occasions to to share what I experienced. Wow. So if you had to... So all of a sudden, if I were to say, you know, here's such and such, um, you know, she just got diagnosed with, you know, lymphoma or any kind of cancer, any kind of issue. What what would your words as as someone when when you go through an experience like this and someone approaches you, your words all of a sudden have a little bit more weight because they're combined with the experience that you went through and and they are kind of going through the similar time, and you have an opportunity mm -hmm. to minister. What what would be mm -hmm. maybe the words that you would give them? Well, one of the things I 
feel is really important is to provide comfort because a lot of times um, people going and walking down that road, they need um, just sympathy and understanding and comfort to, from someone who, who says, you know what, I can relate. I know what you're going through. I know it's difficult. Um, I often share that verse, Isaiah 41.10, um, with them so that they can uh, um, know what helped me, what what was a source of comfort for me. Um, so that's important. I also feel like it's, it's important to give them hope. Um, people want hope um, that they're that the situation is not hopeless. Um, there's a verse, Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the, of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. As followers of Jesus, our hope is in God and he can fill our lives with joy and peace when we put our hope in him. And sometimes when I was at the cancer center and I would look at other people that are are going through chemotherapy at the same time. And I thought, I don't know how somebody goes through something like this without the hope that we have in God. And um, our, our hope is not just that God will heal us. That's not, we're not basing our hope just on the fact that God's going to do a miracle in our lives, but that this life is not all that there is. And that one day, we can spend eternity with our Savior in heaven. Um, Psalm 39 actually uh, puts it, puts eternity like this. It says that our lives are but a breath. So this time here on earth, we, we yes, we will all have trouble. We will experience hardships. Um, it's because we live in a fallen world and nobody is immune to it. We will all experience things like that in our in our lives. But as long as this life is not all that there is, that that we have hope for something beyond. And if our if our healing comes here on Earth, that's wonderful. It gives us a little bit more time here. Um, now I'm a grandmother and I get to see I have three grandchildren. And I get to spend time with that with them. And I'm so thankful for that. But if my life had ended, I would have eternity to spend with my Savior and and one day then with my grandchildren, all my grandchildren. So, so yeah, our hope is in God and not not in the miracle, not in, in uh, anything or anyone else. All right. Now, I didn't give you a chance to mention your grandkids' names. As a proud grandmother, <laughs> mention their names, please. Yes. Yes. Kai is three. Theo is one, and Maya, whose middle name is Henna, uh -huh. is, uh, yep, she's turning um, three months in uh, April. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. No, yep. The, Love being a grandmother. It's the best. The, the thing <laughs> is that, um, you know, as you're talking to people, just by the fact that you're standing there talking to them, you know, you know, almost a, a decade and a half afterwards, um, certainly provides hope. Does God heal? Mm -hmm. Yes, God heals. He healed me. I was yeah. at a point where there was yeah. no hope for me. He was that whole whole yeah. thought, that whole statement that is the person, the person with an argument will never be at the mercy of a person with an experience. 
right? That mm-hmm. that yeah. you, you can have all the arguments as to whether God heals today or not. Your life is the example of how God had healed something, yes. that had healed healed you of, of these things and the number of miracles that are there along the way. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the importance of providing opportunity for people who have been healed of cancer or whatever it is. And there are so many people who are suffering from so many things and maybe what has happened is is life has gotten them down or the prognosis has gotten them down or whatever. There is still hope in the fact that we serve a God who does miracles. And so mm-hmm. that's that's why we are happy to have you on, on the show. Um, anything else mm-hmm. you want to add? Um, at the beginning when I mentioned about what God had um, spoke to me in January, so six months prior to my diagnosis uh, was from John 16, 33, where it said, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, thankfully, that's not where that verse ends. Jesus actually finishes that verse by saying, take heart, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So when I look back on my journey with cancer, it seems surreal now. It almost like it happened to someone else and not me. Um, It's not something I would want to repeat, but at the same time, I'm so thankful for having experienced incredible love and the healing power of my Savior, Jesus. And as I face struggles in this life, because there continue to be struggles in in our lives, I'm reminded to continue to trust in God who is good and not in the goodness of life. That's right. Amen. You know, and then, and then mm-hmm. that all happened in 2008 for the most part, didn't it? Or was it for all through yes. 2007, 2008? Yeah. And then an added, 2008. and then an added burden happened in 2009 in the fact that I had become the pastor of the church there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then God had to put another heavy burden upon your, upon your life <laughs> and upon your family. So, oh, so. no. We were we were blessed to have you loved loved your friendship and and we got to uh, got to enjoy a lot of uh, laughs together over those yes, years. Yes, and so your check will be in the mail for saying that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, now now Logan has kind of been quiet because he's just kind of been hearing this for the first time, really, haven't yeah. you, Logan? Anything that you wanted to ask? Any kind of encouraging words that you want to make? Well, first of all, I think. Um, just the fact that you guys stayed true to God's word throughout the whole um, experience is really inspiring. The fact that you know, and I, you know, when you're in the the PT scan or whatever, when the thing touched your nose and everything like that, and the the first thought in your mind isn't like being scared, but it's to recite Psalm 23 and to try to like use that as a comfort. I think is really really powerful because that mm-hmm. is what scripture is there for it is there to be our comfort our guide all of these things and i think not only people that um for people listening that maybe aren't going through you know something as terrible as cancer and everything like that we can rely on god's word to be there for us and that's why it's so important that we read it and pray it and have it in our hearts and and can recall it for moments like this so i appreciate you you like sharing that and just doing that because i think it's such a good lesson um, in such like a, you know, somewhat of a terrible situation, even though it ended up being good. Um, I think it's really important for the listeners to know that like 
we need to do this. Yeah. This, this, this is the mm-hmm. way you can come for yourself, and I think it's really important. Now, the thing is, now, for those yeah. people who might be listening and you're saying, wow, I wish I could have written that scripture down, we do have some of the notes that are here, and if you are wanting to get those scriptures, make sure you email us yeah. at... Forgiven at BethelBrandon.ca. Okay, there's lots of stuff. Lots of things as, as I'm listening to this story, the fact that there was the Word of God that was continually um, brought up and, and clung onto. The fact that we had to have faith that God knew what he was doing. Yes. The fact that there had to be key people that God somehow puts into our life to give us the encouraging word at the right time, at the right moment. The fact that we had to fight the lies. That mm. certainly there would be things that Satan would want to do to discourage us in the whole in the whole process. Like there are a whole bunch of ingredients that happen as God begins to move in our life. And God just says, I you you, in every situation, you will either get bitter or you will get better. And the difference is mm-hmm. you choose. You choose what path you're going to take. And, and yeah. you know, again, I just wanted to encourage anyone who is looking for a miracle and those people who are going. Any other ingredients, maybe maybe you can think of somewhere. Hannah, you, you're still here. You're kind of thinking, yeah, hey, this was something which was important for me as I was, I was, I was thinking. It was the thing that I had to hang on, some of those those Christian truths and and just parts of the whole process. Um, when, when we, when you mentioned like the, the lies of the enemy, um, the enemy speaks into our minds. And if we don't fill our mind with God's word and we don't hold on to that, then we can be so easily deceived by, um, the enemy. And, and that brings discouragement and that brings, um, fear and all these things that are counterproductive in a situation when you are dealing with a difficult situation and you're praying for a miracle. So, yeah, um, to fight those lies, we need to fill our hearts and our minds with the word of God and and um, and know the truth, because the word of God is truth and Jesus is the truth. And and we just we hold on to that. OK. Now I'm I'm sure if there's anyone who's listening who may want to know a little bit more, uh, we can we can certainly help with scriptures. I don't know, yeah, Hannah, I know you're busy, but if there's anyone who needed encouragement, we might be able to pass some information. I don't want to I don't want to promise that to anyone because I know that you're busy, but I know that, uh, that we certainly would love to have you at the very least um, pray. It's always nice to have someone who is a living example of the power and the grace of God, pray over those people who might be suffering similarly. So um, as we kind of come to the end yeah. of our of our podcast here, uh, I am trusting that the Holy Spirit has been moving in the hearts of people who have been going through difficult times and are looking for the, a miracle. And if you are, if you're here and you are looking for a miracle, you're looking for God to move, uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to invite Hannah to pray over you. And this is a person who, but for the grace of God, um, has been healed and is every day giving glory to God for that occurrence in her life. Can you pray for for those who might be listening and going through sometime, something similar that you had gone through that, that many years ago? Sure. Absolutely. Lord God, we, we come before you. And um, Lord, we humbly recognize that it has nothing to do with us and it has everything to do with you. 
You are our God and our hope is in you every day. Lord, I think of these, I think of people who might be going or walking a road that's um, full of trials and struggles right now. Perhaps they need a healing touch from you, Lord. They need a miracle. I pray, Lord, that that they would turn their eyes towards you, that they would um Go into your word, Lord God, and to allow you to speak into their hearts, Lord, and just to trust that you will walk with them, Lord, that they are not alone. Your word says you will never leave us nor forsake us, and we can hold on to that promise, and you will hold us in your hand, Lord, as we walk through these difficult um, trials in our life. I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just even through my testimony, bring hope to the hearts of the lives of the people who are struggling and need a touch from you, Lord God, that they would receive encouragement that you are still in the healing business today and that you healed in the Bible times, Lord, and you healed today and you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And Lord, we thank you for all that you do in our lives. We thank you that that it's not even just about our miracle here on earth, but one day we will all be completely healed when we um, enter into eternity with you, Lord, as if you are our Lord and we follow you, then we have the um, awesome privilege to spend eternity in your presence. And so, Lord, I pray most of all that all of the listeners, everyone who um, is tuned in to this podcast, that they would um, take that step of faith, Lord, and put their trust in you and to receive the gift, the free gift that you offer, the salvation, Lord, that comes as we surrender our lives to you and receive the forgiveness that you uh, purchased for us on the cross. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are and all that you have done and will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Hannah, for joining us. Now, you might know someone who needs to hear this podcast. If that's the case, make sure that you share it yep. so that they can hear it as well. And anybody who is hearing this from uh, from Cornerstone Community Church and Lively, hey, how's it going? Good to, <laughs> good to, glad that you're hearing this. And I'm, I'm praying all this is going well there. Yeah. So thanks again, Hannah, for joining us. And, uh, Thank you. And we uh, are trusting that this will be uh, an avenue that can be a blessing to so many people. Yes. Have a great day, everyone. Yep. And uh, we trust that your days will go well and that you continue to grow in Christ every day. Yes. All right. God bless. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you guys in the next episode.